Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, and welcome to the HP Podcast. This is your weekly video game podcast about everything video games. This is episode number 264. Joining me this evening is El Genibre Mas Glorioso, Brandon. That's me. That's How me. are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, yeah, I'm just good. I've had an interesting night. I've been taking care of Ben's dog for a couple days, which has been really interesting. Um, I'm not used to having big dogs, man. I don't know about you. I didn't grow up with big dogs. I'm like one of those households that like everyone I knew has small dogs. This is the first big dog. And I guess by some standards, people might not even consider it a big dog, but it's a big fucking dog for me. Um, he just is, uh, and he's a puppy. And so that's been a, that's been an interesting experience. My arm hurts from playing tug with him. Um, just has endless energy, uh, but it's been good. I'm doing well. Um, we played for about 20 or 30 minutes before the show started. I'll go back. I'll play with him some more. Hopefully he'll sleep. So good stuff. And I, I, if I'm familiar with the dog you're talking about. I saw a picture of it when it was brand new. You say it's still a puppy. So I think that means it's less than one years old. But when you say big, like, what are we talking here? We're talking like, I don't know. It's this dog is all legs, man. I mean, God, I should know. I should know my measurements more than this. Three or four feet high? I don't know. Okay. Uh, you, you know, 75 pounds, something like that. If it ran at you full speed, would you fall over? If it if it ran at me full speed, I it, it would probably knock me over. Okay. If I wasn't, like, bracing myself, he probably would. Okay. Um, and that fucker was trying to hunt me earlier, and I said, no, <laughs> motherfucker. He tried to get behind me because I was playing with him, and I was like, no, sir. I am the dominant one here. I hump you if any. No, 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 no. I got this all wrong. Nobody's humping anybody. Hopefully Ben doesn't listen to this. I'm not humping your dog, dude. That's weird. He just tried to hump me. Um, so it, he he advanced. I don't know. You got you um, got to feel a little at least a little bit flattered when a dog comes here. Like like 99% uncomfortable and 1% like he chose me. He chose, especially when you're in a room with like a lot of different people and uh, right. the dog comes to you and says, "You have the most attractive leg. You're yeah. this is the leg I want to mate with." Dude, honestly, he tried to like hump my back. He was like trying to get behind me. It was it was way more visceral than my than my leg. <laughs> um, trust me. He was like close to my face a little bit uh a little bit too close right um but you know at this point that's the most action i'm gonna get hey don't don't jump my dog i'm not right. gonna hump your dog dude he humped me you should you should be apologizing to me 
for your dog. No, I'm just kidding. He, he's <laughs> he, he's been wonderful. Um, man, Great. the 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 big dogs just don't tug on a toy like a little dog. Man, I'm telling you. Yeah. He was giving me a run for my money. I just kept pulling, and he kept pulling back. So. It's a workout for sure. Well, uh, Ben's lucky to have good friends like you to come over and uh, keep an eye on the dog and keep him some company. I was away for a week. I wasn't here last week. We have a cat, which you may or may not have seen on this show before uh, going nuts in the background. But um, I think we're kind of lucky to have a cat because they... Like, if I leave for a week, I really only need somebody to check on him like twice. And literally all you have to do is, does he have food? Does he have water? Is he alive and breathing? And you can leave and you can do that in five minutes. So yeah, we were lucky enough to have a friend who actually just wanted to come and stay here. So they stayed here most of the week and saw some sights around the area and stuff. But um, yeah, it can be tough with animals going on vacation. So yeah, good absolutely. for you, Brandon. Good Cats you. are easy though, dude. Yeah. You, I'm convinced that if you had a cat and you set up like five litter boxes side by side and you dumped a bag of food fully on the ground, that they'd probably be good for like a year. Exactly. I'm almost, I'm yeah. almost convinced. Like, you know, not that it'd be good. I'm not saying that's what you want to do, but I'm saying like the cats just, yeah, they're built different. They're easy. Anyways, this is uh, episode 264. Um, and, and as you can see, Ben, who is our regular host is not here. And can you believe, uh, this is the first episode out of 264 that he has, he's not been on the show. So the Iron Man streak is over, uh, for him anyways, but it passes to Brandon now. And we'll have to do a little bit of research to see exactly how many consecutive episodes that Brandon's been on. So we can put a little, a streak (laughs) thing on the top of each screen to show, but, uh, the bad man is gone. You know, it's episode 264, but it's, it's episode one. AD. Um, ben has moved on to the afterlife with Phil. He'll be back next week, though. So, um, AB after Ben. After Ben. There you go. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. This is the HP uh, podcast, uh, your, your weekly video game podcast. We are live every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We are also on um, on anywhere you can get a podcast, Spotify. Um, we're also on Patreon and you can support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Um, you can support us there, uh, for a little as a dollar a month to help support the show. You also get early, uh, and ad free access to the audio recording of the, of this show. If you're not avail- able to, um, tune in seven o'clock on Saturdays, uh, at youtube.com slash Ben is handsome, where you can find us. Um, you can also hang out with us over on discord at handsomephantom.com slash discord um lots of fun stuff there every week uh it's usually video games sometimes it's cars um (laughs) and i actually have a question for you brandon because uh there was a bit of discourse around uh the subaru impreza wrx sure and uh, i stated that um the the i guess it was kind of the early mid to late 90s version the iconic blue subaru impreza with the gold rims was the peak Impreza. And you made a comment, and I still don't understand what you were saying to me. I think it was it was not a good comment, though. What is your opinion on that particular Subaru Impreza being the peak? And we don't normally talk about cars, but I, I sure. genuinely need to know the answer to this. Sure. I said you're a fan of the blob-eye. So, like, there's, they're, um, they're segmented into, like, different names, right? And some of them have interesting names. Like, the one that I posted, it's called Hawkeye. Yours is called blob eye okay another guy the the bug eye you know and so as time went on they 
got less creative names, but that little stint in the 2000s, they had really fun names. And I was like, dude, you're a, you're a blob eye guy. I don't know, man. I didn't know this about you, Dave. I'm a okay. Hawkeye guy. So it was that word blob eye that I, I didn't understand. So got it. Um, got thank it, got you it. for, thank course, you for, man. uh, clarifying that. So, uh, let's get to the comments real quick before we, uh, start and get into the news. Uh, first from Ben is handsome. The, uh, the, the deceased host of the show is apparently communicating from the grave and he says, do not jump my dog. Um, so yeah, there's a fair warning for you. Ed rest in peace, Ben and Phil. Can we get confirmation of Dustin is dead too? Uh, the search party is still actively looking for Dustin. Um, but he has not been declared yet. So we'll keep you advised on that one. <laughs> let's get into the news first off starfield uh i believe we let off the show with starfield last week and we're going to lead off again because starfield is back in the news starfield was supposed to be bethesda's next big thing this is from pcgamesn.com on par with elder Scrolls 5 skyrim but it was released to a decidedly mixed reception and in the five months since it launched it's lost over 97 percent of its steam player base as game launches go, Starfield was not the stellar success that Bethesda and parent company Microsoft probably hoped for. The space space action RPG may have been Bethesda's biggest launch, but less than six months later, it's lost 90% of its Steam player base. After peaking at over 330,000 concurrent Steam players shortly after launch, Starfield is now down to just under 9,000, and this is via Steam database. By contrast, over 25,000 Steam players are currently playing Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. The game's reviews are currently sitting at mixed, which is a step up from the previous mostly negative, and the Steam figures don't account for those who are who purchased the game via the Xbox Store or are playing it on Game Pass. But it's still not a great look for Bethesda, particularly when you consider that these players paid for the game. Again, this article is from PCGamesN.com. So uh kick it over to you brandon i'm curious just off the top do you think this is an alarming figure for starfield or does it sound about right for a game like this six months out yeah i mean the thing about this is is there's really two ways to look at it it's that either a staggering amount of people have fallen off of this game and it really is showing that this game cannot stand the test of time and once the hype around the game dies down that the game itself dies down um, there's that school of thought that, you know, this is bad for Bethesda and that this is a bad look and that it, 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 it paints a negative picture. But there's also the idea that, like, it is a single player game. What happens when you're done with a single player game? Do you usually play it again as soon as you finish it? Usually not. Now, I mean, there's obviously outliers to this. Like you have things like Elden Ring, which is not single player completely but is mostly a single-player experience by most standards. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Th- th- this is just an interesting uh, an interesting topic in general because we had talked a lot about Starfield, and I it, I was kind of mixed on it. Ben was kind of mixed on Well, you were kind of mixed on it. Ben was not mixed on it. He's, he's the only one of all of us that actually enjoyed it as much as he did. But um, honestly, I think this kind of is just the hype dying down um and the people that stuck around stuck around and everybody else kind of fell off that's really what i think it is to me whether i think this is good or bad for bethesda i don't think it's good that's for sure but i don't really think that it's like the clearest indicator of how the game's doing either because even though the numbers were high at one point 
I would imagine that the vast, vast majority of players did not purchase on Steam. I would imagine. I would love to see the stats and I would love for them to tweet something. You know, when articles come out like this, I almost want them to clap back. You know, if they got the stats, which they have the stats, say this is how many people are still playing on Xbox. And, you know, you kind of squash the the bad press right out the door. But I don't know. What did you think, Dave? Do you think this is like bad news for Bethesda? I mean, I know neither one of us really love the game, but like it, it wasn't awful. No, and it's I, I don't know how I feel about this because um you you kind of make you make a really good point about the fact that this is Steam isn't necessarily an indication of what this game was in terms of success or failure. Um but considering that this game launched day one on Game Pass, both PC and on console, I have to think that Steam sales um had to to kind of be a pretty important secondary indicator of success. So I think this does mean something. Um, I like to think a lot in terms of like a year ago. So I always think, you know, a year ago today, what was I doing in terms of Starfield? Like a year ago today, we were like the anticipation for Starfield was so high. We were pretty sure that it was actually going to come out after numerous delays, everything we saw about the game uh, in terms of gameplay and scope and, and things like that was, was getting people excited to actually play the game. And it's crazy to think a year on that we're talking about, you know, this low of a player base. Um, I do think for a single player game that launched in 2023, and I think that's an important piece of context, this, this really shouldn't be that alarming, but when you, when you hold up that other statistic of like, well, this many people are playing Skyrim, it is a little odd. And maybe part of it is because, you know, Starfield hasn't had time to really develop a strong mod community, which is obviously something that Skyrim relies on so heavily. So I don't know. It's, it does seem odd. And the crazy thing is, is like for a Bethesda AAA RPG, Starfield finally was a game that launched in a pretty good state. Like, you know, when it came out, people weren't really talking about widespread game breaking bugs, um, save files being lost, anything like that. So it's crazy that like Bethesda seemingly finally got it right in terms of launch and people were just kind of met on the game. So I don't know. I don't know what exactly kind of caused this to, to, to turn out this way, but in any case, I mean, you guys talked about it last week about, um, you know, Bethesda and Microsoft games potentially coming to PlayStation and, and, you know, Microsoft game pass stuff. So at the end of the day, I don't think this is going to matter. This game is going to get another boon later on down the road, whether it's launching on PlayStation or some DLC or that, um, that mod community finally blowing up. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy to think a year ago today how 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 hyped this game was and where we are now. So yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, you also brought up something that made me think too. I I think that you've almost convinced me in a way that this might actually be a bad sign for the game. And we kind of saw it. I mean, obviously, if it has mixed reviews, it's not because of the performance issues necessarily. Maybe some people are review bombing for you know features or something like that because that's something that happens often nowadays but if this was any other company we wouldn't even be talking about it i guess it is kind of staggering that a bethesda game of all companies a single player bethesda game would have such a steep decrease in player 
Um, now, I don't want to oversight how how much I do believe that a lot of the numbers are not in Steam, but you're right. I mean, it's like the UK charts to the US charts. It's like we don't, it's not one-to-one, but it does paint a picture. Um, and yeah, I guess the, all that combined really is just, it didn't stand the test of time, more or less. Um, and, you know, it's kind of sad to see. Um, I wanted it to be good. And you're right. Thinking back on it, it's like we all we all were so excited. And I I remember the first two times I played, I'm like, honestly, I'm just not having fun. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I was right there with you. I yeah. hate to say it, and I wanted to enjoy it. Like I I really hope that the negative press cycle didn't affect me too much, but like I don't know, it just wasn't fun to me. And so yeah. I guess that's kind of, you know. Steam no is legs. definitely an indication of something, regardless of where you um, where you launch. But right. um, good point brought up here in chat by Ed. The real worry for Starfield is if when the DLC comes out, it doesn't bring people back. Right, it's a great point. And uh, when and if DLC does come out, um, you know it'll be interesting to see if this game does launch on PlayStation at some time in the future. Um, predictably, we're going to be getting. A number of new reviews it would be interesting right. to see how the game is received if it gets a second launch and i know as i said earlier i don't think there was a whole lot of launch issues to clean up but just putting it in front of a slightly different different audience i wonder if it would have a different reception or roughly the same but yeah um dlc would be a big indication of what the uh the actual success could be of this game moving on skull and bones it's oh, what we're no. all here to talk about it's what we're all thinking about uh it's all anybody played last week because it was of course in open beta because ubisoft is just so generous it's out uh, no it comes out uh it's actually an uh act if, if you pre-order the premium edition you can play today okay but the standard edition is available on the 16th which is friday so, so you're playing it tonight i'm surprised you needed to ask me that brandon but <laughs> This comes from videogameschronicle.com. You'll hear their names a couple times today. During a Q&A session as part of a conference call discussing Ubisoft's Q3 sales for its fiscal year 2024, one caller pointed out that Skull and Bones now appears to be taking a more live service approach. The game's one-year-old map was recently published, for example. The caller asked why Ubisoft is insisting on charging $70 or full price depending on where you are for the game and potentially limiting the size of the, its player base, suggesting a free to play model may be better suited, uh, better suit the live service mechanics and give it a better chance of building a community. Guimau replied with an assertion that skull and bones deserves to be a full price game because of its scale. You will see that skull and bones is a fully fledged game. He said, it's a very big game. And we feel that people will really see how vast and complete the game is. It's a really full triple dot 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 quadruple a game that we uh, that we will deliver in the long run. An open beta for Skull and Bones started today and will run until February 11th. Of course, this is from last week. The beta supports cross progression and cross play. Progression will be capped at the rank of brigand. That's tier six, rank one, and will carry over to the full game. Following a troubled development that saw the game delayed on a number of occasions and rebooted in 2020, Skull and Bones will finally be released on February 26, 2024. That's this Friday, priced at $69.99 in the U.S. Players will be able to play the game three days early if they pre-order the 
$100 premium edition, which includes two extra missions. Can you believe that? Two full missions, some cosmetic items, and a smuggler pass token to unlock the premium battle pass. Oh, man. Brandon, we're going to talk about a little game later in the show called Helldivers 2, which took a slightly different approach to uh, its pricing strategy. So just to kick it off, are you more likely to spend in-game currency or spend in a game um that you did not pay full price for and that's whether it's a a game you got on sale or a game that is launched at less than full price like helldivers 2 no i think the thing about like the free-to-play market is that people are more inclined to spend money when they're not paying for the game because they're they're using the service and you know they enjoy it when you have something like a 70 dollars game that comes out i mean this is just the stupidest thing i've ever heard first of all the balls on this guy for going quadruple a we got a new classic game everybody you know gta 6 watch out we got skull and bones quadruple a you know it would be like saying like nintendo is like okay uh tears of the kingdom is 70 dollars um and it has microtransactions because it's such a big world you know it's it's okay this is just a tone deaf person that just doesn't understand anything about the landscape. And that's completely clear. Um, This is a, this is an interesting take. Let's say that, Um, especially for a game that was originally built out of a game that is many, many, many years old. Um, So yeah, man, it's just, it's got stink written all over it. I mean, it's from the start. What I'm most excited about, Dave, what I'm I'm just absolutely fucking thrilled about is when in about a month or two, we never have to talk about this game again. Because once it once it goes through its bad press cycle, you know, we'll be talking about it. And then really soon, finally, finally, after how long have we been talking about this motherfucking stinker? It's almost time, boys. Um, and uh the only thing I wish is that we would have given you some caveat that you had to buy market transactions as well, because why would you want to miss out on that, Dave? It's quadruple A. Um, and so, you know, you can get your two extra missions and you could play early. So it sounds like a value to me um, if I ever did hear one. So full disclosure uh, for those listening who may not know this, but um, I had a failed um, <laughs> bet. We'll call it a bet last year um, that has resulted in me having to, purchase um skull and bones day one and play it i think i have to play through the campaign whatever that is so i will be buying skull and bones in two days Poor guy. and and playing it and i'm going to talk about it extensively there is a small part of me that is looking forward to this game um i'll say that it's sure it's sure you have to you be know. now or you're gonna cry yeah, and <laughs> you know, you're like i gotta get excited for something man i'll talk more about it next week but i do think that there is a discussion to be had around this this pricing strategy especially when you have um in-game or your game relies on in-game transactions what i will say specific to skull and bones is i think it's clear that ubisoft is in cost recovery mode when it comes to this game um this game's development and life cycle makes Duke Nukem Forever look like an annual Madden title. Like this was a long time coming and it cost a lot of money. So even if Ubisoft wanted to charge a little bit less and hopefully drive some more sales to a battle pass, I don't think they're in a position to do that with this particular game. But 
As I said earlier, we're going to be talking a little bit later about a game called Helldivers 2, which is another live service-ish kind of game. It has in-game transactions, and it lost, launched at uh, $40 in the US, $50 here in Canada. So, you know, we see this a lot with, with free-to-play games, where the reason they're free-to-play is because... You know, you they want you to buy more in-game, uh, whether it's a battle pass, whether it's cosmetics, uh, whether it's XP boosters, God forbid. So I, I do think that this discussion wouldn't have even... This, this is really just a sign of the times, I think. Five years ago, we wouldn't have any question that a game like this wouldn't be, um, you know, full price. Even the Assassin's Creed titles that inspired this game which were coming out annually and people started to question like are these games really new or is it a reskin no one questioned if they should be full price or not and i think it's just it's it's just a transition it's a sign of the times where um as as these lower price games are launching or free to play you know you're gonna have to start to consider where you want to get your revenue from is it going to be entirely from the sticker price or are you going to make your battle pass that appealing where that's where the majority of your sales are going to come from um so definitely an interesting discussion i don't really think that skull and bones would ever be anything other than full price and i think it's going to be a few months before it's on game pass or something but um yeah it's uh Go ahead. Well, on, honestly, I just think they're like having their cake and eating it too. It's fine if they want to recoup costs. Like I understand that this sort of thing happens all the time. We just talked about Sega doing some shitty stuff with New Game Plus. Like it's a business. I get it. But like there's a big difference between like Diablo doing this, right? Because it's Diablo. What is this game? The, you, you know, like, I don't know. Not that I'm saying it's okay for Diablo to charge $70 and then have an outrageous amount of microtransactions in it, but like, at least they have like a leg to stand on. This game has quite literally a peg leg to stand on, and that shit's <laughs> splintering, you know what I mean? Like, like buddy, like, come on. And it also will depend when you get in the game how like, I know what Ubisoft's microtransaction shit looks like. It literally looks like an iPhone. Like, like there's just ads and 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 fucking you could buy this you could buy this you could buy this skin you can have a knife with an eyeball on it you know it's like i just hate that 70 dollar games if you want to have a tab that's off to the side on your 70 dollar game where you can spend money great i get it it happens now but like i can't imagine ubisoft is going to cut back because they don't cut back on assassin's creed they don't cut back you know it, why would they and so, you know, why this is even surprising coming from a company like them, it's it's really not. But yeah, man, it's just I can't fathom this game doing well. Um, and the more I hear about it and the closer we get to it, the more it concerns me. And I, you know, I feel bad that, that you have to kind of I know you said you're excited, but God bless you. God bless you. You're, you're doing the Lord's work that nobody else would do on this show. Um, you're yeah. taking one for the team. So, <laughs> a couple comments in the chat, believe it or not. But um, let's see if I can bring this up here. Uh, Edward Walton, imagine calling a sunken ship quadruple A. <laughs> I think he's being, I think he's being modest. To be honest, he should have called sure. this a six A 6A game, whatever you would call that. But um, yeah, again, I, I think it's it's posturing. Really, this is this is he's saying these things for investors and. Uh, I think a really bad signal to investors would be 
do you guys mind if we launch this game that we've been working on for 50 fucking years for $40? <laughs> just because, you know, we think more people will like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just, it's it, it would be a bad showing if, if, if they went that route. And, and then, you know, calling it a quadruple A game and launching it full price is really them trying to show their confidence in in this game but uh you know we'll know we'll know more in a week or two this being the second top story is how we know dave is hosting that's <laughs> i actually had planned an entire show just on skull and bones and oh, uh a brandon kiboshed it in our in our pre-meeting so um so yeah there you go skull and bones i'm looking forward to playing it at the end of the week and uh i'm looking forward to talking about it you don't have to lie you don't have to lie to the audience dave it's okay <laughs> <laughs> moving on to our next story next gen nintendo um obviously there's still rumors floating around that we may have a successor to the switch launching later this year nothing official but uh an interesting story from uh again videogamechronicle.com from Nintendo, during a Q&A session following Nintendo's financial results briefing on Wednesday, uh, the company was asked what risks it's especially mindful of as it looks to build on the success of its dedicated gaming platforms and its expanding IP business. Since launching in March of 2017, I did, it doesn't feel like the Switch launched that long ago, but no, it really time doesn't. flies. The Switch has sold over 139 million units. To put that into perspective, only two other dedicated gaming platforms, the Nintendo DS at 154 and Sony's PlayStation 2 at 155 million have outsold it. Despite the console's blockbuster success, Nintendo said it's taking nothing for granted given its past experiences with tricky generational transition. For example, while we reached almost 102 million sales, its successor, the Wii U, sold just 13.5 million units before the Switch revives the com- revive the company's fortunes this generation. We approach our business every day with a profound sense of urgency, Nintendo President Shantaru Furukawa told shareholders. Uh, the generational transition of platforms in the dedicated gaming console business is never easy. We have experienced significant challenges following successful platforms multiple times, so we never consider our current situation to be totally secure. Um, again, this was translated, but he said some some kind of interesting and slightly cryptic things about Nintendo's approach going into this next generation of Nintendo. So Brandon, the question I have to you to kick it off is what do you think Nintendo needs to do to ensure the success of the Switch 2, the success of the Switch, whatever it is? I think that they really, and they're right. I mean, it's like you win one, you lose one with Nintendo. They've done that a couple times now. And so I'm sure they really, especially because they've reached heights that they haven't reached before. I'm sure they're just shaking in their boots trying to determine what they want to do next. And I really think the key to making the Switch to a success is to close the company. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, cut your losses. No. Uh, <laughs> but don't, you, you know, innovate without changing too much. Because I feel like if you have a good product, um, not to say that the, that the PS4 and the PS5 or the the two Xbox, their names are too goddamn confusing. Those generations weren't like incredibly different because they are technically in a lot of ways, but like physically and how they function, they're pretty similar and nobody's bitching about that. So I think that from the Wii to the Wii U, we saw a very strange transition from, you know, let's bowl, let's box to, I have a fucking iPad looking weird thing that I got to play on and it's strange. 
So I think the key here is to like iterate, but not reinvent. I really think that's the key is to like make better, but not change in a way. Um, you know, and you say, Brandon, they're going to get criticism. This is the exact same as the last one. People will buy it. Look at the other iterations of the first switch. People will buy it. They just will. You change the screen on it. People are going to buy it. So like, don't think too hard about it. I guess is what I'm saying. Nintendo. It's just, you know, let's make the battery life better. Let's make the joy cons not as clicky when you grab them, you know, and it feels like you could snap them in half in your hand. Let's, let's put the, the OLED screen in the new model that everyone loves, which has been rumored that they're not going to do. That would be a very Nintendo thing not to do to make a better version and then go back on that. But I think that's really the key is because the software has never been the problem. Even on Wii U, the software is never the problem with Nintendo. People will eat it up no matter what, but they need to push hardware so they can sell the software. And that's kind of the golden ticket is that like, you need this in the people's hands to continue your revenue stream because they're not making money off the switches. They're just not. I mean, they're probably making something, but we know in the past that companies have taken losses for this sort of thing. Not to say Nintendo, or if we even have confirmation of that, but what I'm saying is that make it different, but don't make it too different. I know that's kind of vague, but I think you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm, Liking what I'm hearing from Nintendo because it sounds like they're at least acknowledging the issue that they had with the transition from the Wii to the Wii U. Um, in that article, it mentioned that the Wii reached almost 102 million in in units sold worldwide, and I I can't help but think that the vast majority of that 102 bought the Wii had Wii Sports on it, and then they never purchased another piece of software. Yes, there were really good titles that came out on the Wii um, after the fact, but I just don't know how many people who made up the install base actually purchased the software. Um, as you mentioned, um, software sales really kind of drive success when it comes to these companies. So I think the issue that Nintendo had with the Wii into the Wii U is that they had a really strong install base of of um, people who own the consoles, but just not enough people who were concurrently kind of playing the console. Like they played Wii or Wii Sports when people came over. And then other than that, you know, why do I need to buy a Wii U? I have Wii Sports and you haven't given me a reason to, um, you know, buy something else. Wii U launched day and date with, um, as far as I can remember, new Super Mario Bros. U, mm-hmm. which... Mm-hmm. Okay, a launch Mario, I suppose, but kind of a lackluster effort. And Nintendo Land, which was a gimmicky attempt at kind of a social Nintendo experience, which experience, which didn't really pan out for them. The point is, is they launched that console, and and I think they kind of took for granted the fact that it's the new Wii. People are just going to buy it, but they didn't give people enough reason to do that. I think at this point in time, they're in a much more favorable position because, you know, the Switch doesn't have one killer app. It's got dozens of games and that, that are that are huge successes and many different reasons to own other than Wii Sports uh, or a Wii Sports-like title on the Switch. So I think, one, they're in a good position because they have lots of good software available for the Switch and they've given lots of people reason to be excited for whatever comes next. And they've at least acknowledged that, you know, they've gone into uh, certain 
next generation cycles with a bit of a cocky stance. So I think they're on the right track. Um, as long as they keep developing their IP and putting, you know, software on the next switch, whatever the next console is that isn't gimmicky, but just focuses on really good gameplay, then I'll think they'll be in a good spot. Um, you know, the switch is a great console. Um, I think they can iterate on it just like you said, like they did with the Wii U and they'll be in a good spot. But again, it's software is what sells software is King. Um, so yeah, it'll be exciting to see what they finally come up with. Hopefully we get something this year. Um, but yeah, it's, I've, I'm finding myself in this past year, especially being a lot more drawn to Nintendo and I wish you would join me, Brandon, because, uh, it's pretty great over here. It's pretty great. Never, never, brother. Especially now that I'm a PC Chad. <laughs> a couple of comments here in chat that I want to point out. Twilight Princess is a good game, dude. That's from Hulk Hogan. Uh, really Himself. interesting uh, video that I want to shout out from... Um, I can't remember the name of the YouTuber. Um, it's something reviews. But anyway, it was it was a whole uh, retrospective on, on why... Um, you know, Nintendo needed Twilight Princess to succeed. And it was it was just a really interesting and well done video about why Twilight Princess was what it was coming off of Wind Waker, which I'm gonna talk about later. Um, but yeah, there was fascinating times for Nintendo in and around the GameCube and Wii kind of transition. Um Ed pointed out crazy stat, Wii and the Wii U have close to the same attach rate, nine to ten. Crazy hmm. numbers indeed for anything Nintendo related. That's for sure. Um, one more from Ed. Twilight Princess as an apology to uh, an apology to her game is goaded. Yeah, it was it was crazy. They were talking about how they, you know, Wind Waker wasn't well received because it was so cartoony. So they wanted to make a more mature version uh, of Zelda of of Zelda. But what they made was it was more mature and it was more realistic, but they realized that kind of the cartoony caricatures that had been in every Zelda game, like if you make them too realistic, they're fucking terrifying. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'm, I have to line. find the name of that YouTuber and uh, put it in our Discord because it was a really, really good video. Anyways, moving on to our next topic here, Microsoft Game Pass. Notice I didn't say Xbox Game Pass. Um, we don't normally comment on leaks. Um, and and this is, I don't really have um, an article to kind of read off here, but this, this links into some stuff that was talked about last week on the show and some things that we'll ine inevitably be talking about next week on the show related to Microsoft. So GameSpot accidentally leaked a promotional image earlier this week with the words Microsoft Game Pass on the screen. Uh, normally we have the words Xbox Game Pass or Xbox Game Pass for PC, but it specifically said um, Microsoft Game Pass. Um, as we also know, there's been some rumors about some uh, Microsoft exclusive, uh, yeah, Microsoft exclusives coming to PlayStation hardware. Um, and then, uh, earlier this week, Phil Spencer confirmed that there would be some big announcements related to the delivery of Microsoft's gaming business on the Xbox, on the official Xbox podcast this Thursday. The fuck uh, is that? Again, yeah. <laughs> on a podcast, bro. It's yeah. just weird. That's weird. Mm -hmm. Especially with like how big this information could potentially be. Is this him like down, like 
they're like, oh, this is huge. We we don't want to piss anyone off. Let's put it on a podcast. <laughs> like, I, don't I don't know, know just, but I feel like if you're gonna weird. walk out, if you're gonna walk out there and say Starfield's coming to PlayStation, a a a podcast is an odd place to do it. Again, we don't know what he's gonna say. We're just kind of going off leaks right now. Right. Um, GameStop accidentally accidentally used the word Microsoft Game Pass. So, well, dude, they I'm, also like on a vowed. I, I don't know whether they were doctored or not, but some of the Game Pass logos have left the Microsoft IPs, like avowed, at least this picture I saw, it used to have Game Pass on it. It's been taken off. That's been the only thing that's been taken off. And what was the other one? I don't remember, but I saw on their website. So it's like... Indiana Jones? It might have been. It yeah. might have been. But I, they're just kind of like reinforcing almost. And then moreover on that, um, about what we talked about this... The last week was that we had speculated whether it made sense for Microsoft to make consoles at all um, and whether or not it's true or not uh, in an internal email, I guess it supposedly got leaked that Phil Spencer confirmed that they're not getting out of the console game um, per Phil, not to say that that's not a bunch of hoopla and that he has to say that, but I guess we'll know more. It's just, it's a crazy thing, man. It truly is crazy. Yeah, I don't want to get too into the weeds with predictions and stuff, but I just wanted to. There's if if this thing came out on its own and someone in chat just kind of mentioned that this has already been retracted by GameSpot, uh, GameStop, pardon me. But with with all of the 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 noise around this story, um, I kind of just wanted to, um, I don't know, I guess build up a little bit whatever we're gonna get on Thursday because it's it sounds like it's gonna be big. Um, and I'm wondering if we are seeing the end of Xbox and, and more of a, a kind of unified Microsoft gaming delivery strategy. But, um, yeah, I guess, you know, the or official time. Xbox podcast, uh, their, their, their listener base is going to quadruple on, um, on Thursday. I'm sure I'm well, not going to listen. <laughs> we would have, we would have had him on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Should have asked him. We, we didn't, asked. we didn't get the email back, I guess. <laughs> All right. Moving into the next piece of news, Disney buys a $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games. This is from our friends over at IGN.com. Disney has purchased a $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games and teamed up with a company to develop a new, expansive, open, persistent, and social universe. Oh, that was a mouthful. That will interoperate with Fortnite and let fans play, watch, shop, and engage with their favorite characters and stories from Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Avatar, and more. The news was revealed during Disney's Q1 F, uh, fiscal year 24 earnings call, and it was announced that this new experience built in Unreal Engine will let players create their own stories and experiences, express their fandom in a distinctly D Disney way, and share content with each other in ways that they love. Our exciting new relationship with Epic Games will bring together Disney's beloved brands and franchises with hugely popular Fortnite in a transforma transformational new games and entertainment universe, said Robert A. Uh, Eager, chief uh, CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Uh, this marks the biggest entry ever into the world of games and offers significant opportunities for growth and expansion. We can't wait for fans to experience the Disney stories and worlds they love in groundbreaking news way new ways. Disney was one of the first companies to believe in the potential of bringing their worlds together with Fortnite, uh, and they use Unreal Engine across their portfolio, says Tim Sweeney, yada, 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 yada. Brandon? 
You're you're huffing and puffing over there. You're leaning back in your chair. You're smoking a menthol. Oh God, I wish. I would would suck a dick for a menthol right now. (laughs) What does this mean for the future of Fortnite? Let's start there. Uh, So I thought it was annoying that most of the people in Fortnite were children, but now I'm going to have to deal with Disney adults. Um, And actually, (laughs) I would take the I I would take the children um, over over that. Not no shade towards my boy Phil. I know he's he's in a better place now. Um, but, uh, no, this is crazy, dude. We have, let me just outline this for you, right? We have Epic, right? We have 50% of Epic being owned by two of the most evil companies in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Do you know what those are? Uh, Disney. Okay. Uh, I can't remember who the second one is. Tencent. Tencent, right. Tencent owns 40% of Epic. $1.5 billion got them 10% Disney. It got them 10%. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm a fan of Epic. I've said that. I don't, I'm not like a worshiper. I'm not like a, you know, all these Apple boy meat riders, anything like that. Like, I think what they've done is very interesting and what they've done for small developers, making it easy to use their engine, having really good technology. Nanite's really awesome. And, you know, overall, just providing a good experience in a live service game is almost a dime a dozen nowadays. They've kind of pioneered that. Um, But at the same rate, like, it was already concerning that Tencent owned a lot of their company. And now that Disney's in, you know, I might get some hate in the chat because there's a lot of people that just meet ride Disney to the day they die, but I don't like them. I don't like them one bit and I never liked them. It, it, it's just plain and simple. I mean, maybe cool shit's going to come of it. Maybe we'll get to see, maybe I'll get to play as the up character. Is that Disney? That might be Pixar. I don't know. Maybe I'll get to play as Mickey Mouse. Um, you know, maybe I'll get to be goofy with an AR um, and throw sticky bombs. But like, I don't know. Epic, it's already made it clear that they're trying to push this sort of thing. So I guess it's a good buy-in for Disney and of all the companies for them to invest in since their movies aren't doing too well. It's like, this is a pretty safe bet of any company you could possibly invest in. This seems like a safe bet, Um, but I'm just never happy about this sort of thing. Like, I don't want companies to own other parts of companies. I feel like we just get in a clusterfuck, Um, but I I don't really know how to feel about this. My gut says it's bad. Um, but I'm sure it's good for a lot of people. A lot of people would be singing the praises of this. We're going to get so many cool skins. Um, you know, somebody in chat said we might get NFL skins. I don't know why that makes sense. Cause we already have NFL skins in the game. Is that what they said? Anyway, I don't think it's good. But Dave, what do you think? Because I don't, I don't really have anything profound to say about it. It's just like, when I think about Disney owning something, it's like, when do they own enough? Like just do your own shit. And be done. So go ahead. It's wild to think um, that $1.5 billion is just a stake in a company. And, and Epic has has grown to a point where that's just a small piece of the pie that Disney's now bought into. It's a large stake. Um, oh, yeah. It's not a controlling stake. No. Um, but you're right. I mean, this is this is a, a gargantuan ecosystem now and I'm, I'm careful to use that word ecosystem because this is no longer just a game 
and and Epic has said for for a while now that they don't want this to just be a game. It's it's going to be a place where you socialize with people and and play mini games and create video games. And you know, someone in the chat said something about watching Disney Plus in a private lobby. So consume other types of content within Fortnite. Um, so I don't know. You, you're right. Having like Disney and Tencent having massive stakes in this ecosystem that millions of people are going to be in for so long is kind of concerning. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a big Fortnite person. I tried to boot it up the other day and I didn't get past the, the load screen just because I decided to play something else. But I do kind of wonder, um, again, I talked about how Fortnite is evolving into this ecosystem. We saw there's like a full-fledged Lego game in Fortnite now, and there is a version of Rocket League in Fortnite now. Having Disney kind of have this large interest in what Epic is producing with Fortnite, does that then limit what that ecosystem can kind of bring in? I mean, like if there were competing properties that Fortnite suddenly wanted to bring into the game, whether it be for skins or a larger experience, does Disney now step in and say, no, that's not one of our properties. That's Sony. That's competition, something like that. Um, I wonder if that kind of limits the creative you know, uses of this, of what Fortnite could be, but I guess time will tell. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a wild, wild thing that Fortnite has turned into. That's for sure. Yeah. And it just keeps growing by the day. You'd imagine that at some point, much like everything in the gaming industry in the past two years, the bowl has to pop, right? Yeah. It's going to pop. It just has to 1.5 billion dollars is a lot of fucking money. And you bring up a good point that I hadn't previously considered. I mean, you know, I don't know how much sway somebody with 10% has, but I'd imagine it's something. And at a price tag of $1.5 billion, if anyone could sway anybody, it would be Disney. But that does make you wonder a little bit. It, is this just opening a door for for more opportunity in Fortnite, or is it closing other doors? That's really what I would wonder, too. I had never previously considered that. But, yeah, I mean, you have quite literally competing properties, DC, you know, even if you think about something like Marvel, it's, you know, Marvel and DC, it's like we already have properties in there. I would imagine there's nothing they could do about it, but Disney is really weird about that stuff. And so, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely a strange position to be in. That's for sure. What we need to do is set an alarm for ourselves five years from now. And and just like the name, you know, you can name your alarms. Yeah. <laughs> Like this one will just be in five years. It'll just see, remember when it was just Fortnite saves the world. Cause in five years, what is Fortnite going to be? And oh, at dude. one point it was just a, a failing horde mode. Right. <laughs> like, what Literally. Yeah. You know what I was, I was watching. I love watching platinum videos where people like make like 30 minute long videos about their journey to get a platinum in a game. And the funny thing about Fortnite is like 90% of its platinum trophies are all in saves the world mode. Right. Like not in the actual, battle royale which is like that's gonna have to change at some point but i just kind of find that funny but yeah are you still actively playing fortnite brandon uh because i'm like displaced from my home i did play a little bit um because i bought the battle pass this season and i want Mm -hmm. peter griffin so i'm really close to getting peter griffin and then i well uh, and i also want solid snake i got the i got the young solid snake i want the old solid snake so i am playing a little bit I was going super hard at the beginning of the season when all the changes happened, um, but I just kind of fell off. It's one of those games where I like, like it's almost cyclical. Like I, 
I keep coming back to it. I never stay for too long, but um, right. there's something there, dude. And you know, there's been something there for a long time. So now, now we got Disney to contend with as well. Big time. Uh, a lot of comments in the chat about this one. Real Radic, my fellow Canadian, says ESPN, Continite, and Fortnite would be hype. Um, I don't know. Is Rob Gronkowski on ESPN? That would be cool to see him in Fortnite. Um, yeah, a lot of cool stuff there. Ed says, need Navi and Fortnite to be 12 feet tall and with a tiny human-sized gun. <laughs> I think they already made a game like that, uh, Ubisoft, and uh, that was also a quadruple-A game that no one no one played. <laughs> So, Radic also says, I can see a reality where you can watch Disney Plus with your friends in private Fortnite lobbies. I uh, I mentioned that um, that earlier, so I just wanted to show you out there, Radic. And Ash says, I just want Unreal Tournament back, don't we all? The golden age of games where people just kind of came over and, and shared controllers and you had LAN parties and stuff. Now we have Fortnites, but... Yay. <laughs> uh also i just want to shout out um that video i was mentioning is from a uh youtube channel called manly reviews m-a-n-l-e-y and this guy i don't really know too much about him but i know he's in a fairly popular metal band and he makes amazing videos so go check out his twilight princess video it's uh one of the best things i've seen on youtube in a long time so a little shout out there manly reviews uh, moving on to our last news topic of the evening before we get into what we played. And I think this, um, this will, this will move into organically a little bit, at least into one of us have been playing, but hell divers to the flavor of the week. It's what everybody's been talking about. This is from gamedeveloper.com. arrowhead games, manic sci-fi shooter. Hell divers two has sold around 1 million copies in four days. Um, again, we're about a week after launch now, so I'm sure it surpassed that. Uh, the title launched on PlayStation 5 and Windows PC on February 8th and is currently smashing uh, internal estimates. In a post on X, Arrowhead CEO and Helldivers 2 creative director, Johan Pielstedt, explained that the game was sitting at around 1 million copies sold as of February 11th, which is two days ago. Notably, he added that it's blowing through Arrowhead's sales expectations. Helldivers 2 became one of the top-selling titles on Steam over the weekend, according to SteamDB estimates, and peaked up precisely... Uh, 155,926 concurrent players on PC alone. That's just PC. The Sony published title is also available on PlayStation 5, but it's unclear how those 1 million sales are split between the two platforms. That rapid fire success caused a few headaches for Arrowhead, with the studio admitting its servers struggled to cope with an influx of players. The company had to deploy a number of rapid fixes over the weekend to address reward drop, player login, and server issues. Arrowhead claimed Helldivers 2 reached three, uh, 360,000 concurrent players across PC and console at one point over the weekend, requiring the studio to spring into action to prevent its entire system from failing. Peelstead apologized to players for the inconvenience, but said it's impossible to predict what might happen when an online title is flooded with so many players. Launch day issues, Brandon, yeah. have seemingly become commonplace. Um, yeah, pretty much. We're talking about, this isn't EA, this isn't Ubisoft, this is not a massive developer, it's it's not, also not a tiny developer, but is it fair to expect gamers to cut 
developers and publishers a little bit of slack when it comes to launch day issues for online games like this, because according to Peelstat, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen to servers when you have this many players coming at once. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that the, it is okay to give developers some slack. I think that as gamers now, we've been burnt so many times that we want to be so reactionary to this sort of thing. Um, now, we're not talking about like a, you know, this is an extreme, but we're not talking about a cyberpunk release or anything. Um, there were some issues um, marring the PC release. Um, people were getting a bunch of crashes. But for the most part, aside from potential like queuing issues or maybe server instability, I mean, that's that's relatively normal and something that I would be willing to forgive somewhat. Um, I don't think it's great, the crashing part of that, but the servers being overloaded is something that, like, could they have predicted that it would have sold a million copies? Maybe. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, we've talked about how much of a gamble just putting out games at all is anymore. Um, and surely they knew they had something good with them. Um, but I'm willing to forgive the server issues. Um, the crashes is another topic altogether i mean when you get into the pc space this is just something that is a thing as games get more complex and you have so many different types of hardware like people were not having nearly as many issues on playstation and it's for a reason um so this sort of launch i am very much willing to be a little bit gracious because i feel like unlike other launches of other multiplayer games this is a very um a very small problem in the grand scheme of things, which, you know, albeit to my knowledge, it seems like it's already been cleared up and it hasn't even been a week. It came out Friday, didn't it? Yep. Like what's that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm definitely willing to give them some grace. And I do want to talk about the game a little bit later when I'm talking about what I've been playing, but man, it's just, this game kind of blew up. And I mean, we're not talking power number numbers or anything, but you know, considering what the game was it was such a mark um like upgrade you know obviously we went from isometric to third person but there's so many other little things about this game that i'll get into in a bit here but um you know good for them they're being transparent um you know we talked about it earlier 40 dollars price tag is there microtransactions absolutely can you earn everything in the game in a reasonable amount of time without spending a dime of money extra than what you played. Yes. That's the other thing about it that is that that is the big difference. I mean, whether it be through the battle pass or whether it be through just playing the game, this game seems incredibly generous as far as, you know, the premium currency goes, which is kind of rare nowadays, um, to say the absolute least about it. But I didn't know what you thought about it, Dave. We had talked about how you hadn't got a chance to play it yet, but what did you think about all the buzz around this? What do you think about the about the issues at launch? Yeah, it's this is an interesting um, kind of statement that the creative director made, how he's, he's, he's claiming that it's impossible to predict um, what can happen. And I, I, I'm sympathizing with him, and I, and I didn't know that. I, you know, I thought you could you could reasonably scale and test these sort of things to know what will happen if suddenly half a million people try to play your game at once. Um, and, and again, I, I'm looking at this as a, uh, a smaller developer. Um, 
It this is. isn't yeah. the first game in the series. This isn't their first game. So I don't know. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I, I kind of worded it the way I did at the beginning, just because I do think it's kind of commonplace. And unfortunately it's just, it's just part of the expectation. It's like traveling on the week of Christmas, like right. airports can do everything they, they, they can, they can staff as many people, but you're still going to wait three times as long to get on your plane. Um, so I think it is what it is. There was people online. There was people in our discord who, who seemed really frustrated, but the discourse around this game has completely changed. And it seems like most people have forgotten about whatever, whatever issues there were at launch. We talked about skull and bones. You can pay an extra $30 to play that game early, but why would you want to? I feel like as gamers, like there's the FOMO, there's the, there's the fear of missing out. There's the, I got to be first. If you're streaming on Twitch, I understand playing first and having the first set of eyes on the games, but just regular gamers, which 99% of us are like, just give it a day if you can. Um, the game's still going to be there tomorrow because, I mean, it's it's tough to kind of know what's going to happen. The thing about this that did surprise me is is the the apparent surprise about this game's success. Um, I'm not really talking about the positive reception that this game got, but more that like Sony has been hyping this game up for quite a while. It's it's kind of featured on a lot of their marketing for the last four or five months or so and granted you know sony doesn't have a whole lot for 2024 just yet which kind of helps this game stand out even more it was in a fable favorable release window there's really not a whole lot coming else coming out so for them to be surprised that this game sold as many copies as it did uh, i found surprising because sony sure seemed to be touting this game as this is our big february title it's a co-op game which everybody loves right now um so yeah i think they kind of undersold themselves a little bit they 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 launched this game in in a in a pretty good state and it looked really good and, and people were talking very highly of it leading up to launch so i mean i would have expected um this i think so yeah this is what absolutely. it is i suppose yeah, absolutely. let's quickly go over to the comment section before uh we get into what we've been playing the arrowhead c the arrowhead ceo said if he did crossovers for uh, Helldivers 2 they would want to add armors and weapons seeing items from Killzone and Resistance would be awesome I agree Dude, that would I haven't heard those awesome, two words man. in a while Killzone and Resistance we need Resistance back man that's what I'm saying thank you Dave exactly the FOMO of Suicide Squad still meant you were playing during <laughs> early access so yeah again uh, I mean I think this rip. is a fair, favorable launch window uh, Suicide Squad we all pretty much knew that game was going to be what it was um, and you know, they, the hell divers Two launched a little bit more than a week away from the juggernaut that is skull and bone. So, um, <laughs> they were, they were fortunate there. So Ed, honestly, by impossible, I just think that it was just highly unlikely the game would have blown up like it has. There you go. Everybody's playing, uh, hell divers, but let's get into what we've been playing. Brandon, uh, I have not been playing Helldivers, and I believe you have. So why don't you kick us off with your experience sure. over the weekend with Helldivers? Absolutely. Um, this game's been a treat. Um, it runs really well. Um, I knew the trick around not having your game crash permanently. This is what I was told, uh, that you should play the first mission and then look at your cosmetics, because I feel like that's where a lot of people were getting hung up, was they instantly looked at their cosmetics whenever they went into the hub world. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. What I'm saying is that was my experience. Aside from that, 
zero performance issues. I, I shit you not, zero. It runs really well on my PC. It looks pretty good. It doesn't like blow me out of the water with the visuals, but the visuals are great. Like they're not the best thing I've ever seen um, by any means, but the game plays plays really well, man. Um, it's a lot of fun to go in with your buddies. It has the same feels that the first one has, but like up by 10, you know, nothing is as good in a game for me than fucking with my buddies when friendly fires on. I definitely just, who was it yesterday or the day, you know, a couple days ago, Ben shot friendly, me by friend, accident. Friendly fire is always on in this game. Is that correct? Dude, that's the thing about Helldivers one is it's so easy to kill your friends that that's like the fun of it. Right. And so Ben accidentally shot me once and I knew he accidentally shot me and I turned around and I unloaded an entire clip into him um, just for hitting me with one stray. Uh, and I love it. I love it. He probably hates it, but I love it. Or like, you know, you get a bunch of bugs down there and you're like, I'm going to throw a goddamn napalm strike down there. And you don't tell your buddy. And the next <laughs> thing you know, his ragdoll body is like going fucking flying into goddamn space. But yeah, it's I see this being an amazing set of bones that actually have some meat on them. And that's the thing about it. And when we talk about these games is you're like, Sometimes you're like, yeah, the bones are there. We're going to see what happens, you know, with, with these new live service games that come out. The bones are there, but I feel like they already got some meat, if you know what I mean. It's like, you know, there's I and to be honest with you, I've played two healthy sessions, two very healthy sessions. Um, but there's so much more I haven't explored, like an an insane amount of stuff. Um, one of the coolest, most standout things is there are like these robot planets. They're all over the internet. I'm sure you've seen them. But people keep comparing it to like Vietnam because you'll just see like a fucking napalm strike. There'll be like a group of robots, right? And you throw like a mortar strike or a napalm strike and then just like lasers. Just it literally looks like a goddamn hell let loose war zone. Like it's crazy, man. And there's like these ATAT things that walk around and it's just really cool. I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it a little bit, even if you haven't played it, Dave. But it's just good, good quality fun and um a little bit of shenanigans with the boys goes a long way. Uh, and to have a game that kind of has a fun gameplay loop, um, maybe not the best or the most innovative, but just solid, fun gameplay loop that is rewarding, um, not only to just enjoy killing shit, but like I said earlier, earn the premium currency. You can earn it by just playing, and you can earn it by finding it in the world, and there's no limit to how much you can hold. I was seeing people say they played for a couple days and had enough to buy the battle pass. Like that's kind of the game we're working with here and it's 40 bucks. Sorry. You can buy the battle pass with in-game currency. You can earn premium currency oh, in game. Understood. So yes. Um, but yeah, man, it's cool. I already have enough that I can buy stuff from the premium shop. I am going to save for the battle pass. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's great. It's a lot of fun, and I'm and I'm really looking forward to playing it some more. In fact, one of the worst things about the game, I will bitch about the game for one second, is that Sony missed out on a huge opportunity by making this crossplay. Or, pardon me, cross progression. I would have bought the game twice, and I know a lot of people that would have bought the game twice. It's forty bucks. I could literally buy it twice, and I could play it on my couch. I could play it on my PC. I feel like they missed out because this is the perfect game to buy twice. And not that I do that very often, but when something's cheaper, I'm more inclined to, especially if I like it. 
you know, maybe I'll buy the special edition of the game or like, you know, if there's a supporter bundle like in DRG that I bought, it's like if I like the game, I'm more prone to continue to spend money on it and not necessarily microtransactions, but, you know, maybe I do want to play it on my couch. And right now I don't, I don't have any incentive. Like I can play with you if you were on PS5, Dave, like we could play together. But if I buy one on my PlayStation, it's a new account. Like it's not, which is strange because I've never had this happen to me before. A game that I played on my PC made me link my PlayStation account. So that made me assume that it would be cross progression because why else would I need to do that? But it's not. And it's just all the good things about the game. I just said, this is the only thing where I'm like, this makes no fucking sense to me. Absolutely none. So didn't know if you had any closing thoughts on that, but I, I have a little quick fire of the rest of what I've been playing, Dave. Yeah. I just want to highlight one thing. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I fought myself all week to not buy this game uh, because I really wanted to play it because everybody's playing it. It's, it's the kind of game you want to play with your friends. It's I, I had FOMO. I, I, I really, I really did. And I, I didn't end up buying it. And I want to point out what Ed said here in the chat. Oh shit. I just remembered Helldivers two is a multiplayer game. PS plus is required. This is absolutely going to be a PC game. If I ever buy it, L O L that's the boat I'm in. I want to buy this game, but I don't yeah. want to have to pay $10 to maintain a subscription. Every time I want to log in, you know, if let's say I play it this month for a bit and then I move on to skull and bows or something else. And I come back to it in may. Oh shit. My subscription has expired. I don't like that. I really don't. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, my PC, I, I don't think it could run it. Um, so I haven't taken the dive, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really experiencing f some FOMO with, uh, with Helldivers too, but I'm glad to hear it's, it's such a fun time. I actually had a friend of mine who doesn't really play that much video games very often, unless it's MLB the show message me and ask about Helldivers. And I was nice. like, okay, this game has got some reach. <laughs> so. It's it's reaching the normies. Exactly. That's exactly. But yeah, but, I think I, I'm with you. If, if you had to play it somewhere, play it on PC, so you don't need to maintain a subscription to something. So absolutely. Yeah. Is what it is. Uh, what else, what else have you been playing, Brandon? Uh, so I've, I'm continuing to play Elden Ring. Um, I didn't drag my whole PC over to Ben's house. Um, but I brought my PlayStation. And so I started yet another Elden Ring save. This is my third Elden Ring save in less than a month. Um, I did one with Ben. I did a solo one on my PC and now I'm doing another one. So I'm doing a, I'm doing like as close as I can to almost like a pure faith build, which I've dabbled with faith, um, before, um, but never like got into faith heavily. Um, I've explored, uh, intelligence more. Um, but it's a lot of fun. I fucking love this game. I don't care that the DLC is not coming out in February. They set the expectations just a little bit. I think I saw someone say they they poured cold water on all of the speculation. I think I saw in one article or something. But um, this game's fucking amazing. 10 out of 10. It's definitely... It's between this and Bioshock, my favorite games of all time. Easily, easily, easily. Um, I've played God only knows how many hours at this point. And I keep finding new shit. That's the kind of game you want to play. It's just the gift that keeps on giving. Um, and if I had to pick one game to just play forever, and that was the only game I could only play, it would probably be this one because it's just so vast. It's just yeah. so vast, and there's so much there, and there's so much you could do. So, uh, Also, in preparation, I re-downloaded Demon's Souls because I was like, you know, I'm going to have some time to kill. I'm bringing my PlayStation. I'm like, you know, who knows? I downloaded Elden Ring. I downloaded Demon's Souls. 
I got a little bit in Demon Souls. Honestly, I don't really like it that much. Um, I'll probably try and pick it up again. I got pretty far my first time around, but starting up again after playing Elden Ring recently, it's it just has made it kind of difficult to kind of go back. So, um, but yeah, and I played a little bit of Fortnite. So, like I said, I almost got Peter Griffin, but that's about it. I'm looking forward to playing some more Helldivers here this weekend, but that's it for nice. me. Uh, Demon Souls, still the best game, best looking game I've ever played. It looks amazing. I can't take anything away from that. Like they did, Blue Point did an amazing job. Everything about the game is good, but I think that, you know, not even visually, just how the game plays, it plays older. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what I'm struggling with right now. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um, I've, I was away most of the week, so I didn't play much, but, uh, I did jump into Gran Turismo seven, uh, yeah. Super Bowl has come and gone. And what that, that means two things, Brandon, that means one, um, baseball season is upon us. Pitchers and catchers have reported my Toronto blue Jays are coming back. Everybody's tuned out now. I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, The second thing is F1 is almost back, and I love me some F1. Uh, The Drive to Survive series for last season will be on Netflix in a couple of weeks. Um, So yeah, I just kind of got a bit of car fever, jumped into Gran Turismo 7. There is an online time time trial at Mount Panorama, which I uh, recommend everybody go and check out because it's an awesome track. Uh, the only requirements are racing softs and group three cars, any group three car you want. And the group three cars are some of the best cars in, in the game. And they're some of the most fun to drive. I went with a Supra Mount Pan- Panorama. I don't know if it's a track I've driven before, but it's, uh, it's a great track. The first half of it is kind of just long straights met by like hairpin corners. So really long braking zones. Um, but then the second half of the track is just kind of really narrow kind of Nürburgring ask where you don't really have breaking points and stuff, but you kind of just got to go full throttle and uh, hope for the best clip. Those apexes, just a really fun track to play on a uh, really pretty one too. So yeah, Mount panorama for the online time trial. I didn't do too well, but Anyways, it's a it's a fun track to play on for Gran Turismo 7. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that I booted up finally uh, was uh, Wind Waker on my GameCube. Um, oh, no shit. So uh, of the games I had purchased for my GameCube when I f- bought it a couple of months ago, um, this is the one that I hadn't actually booted up yet. So I finally did. And of the games that I purchased for my GameCube, this is actually the only one that I had played when it originally came back, uh, came out for the GameCube. I don't know if I played it at launch, but I played it at some point when I was 16 or 17. I can't remember how old I was. Um, but I am really, really glad that I'm, I'm going back and playing this game because, uh, as everybody knows, the wind waker was not received that well. Um, primarily because of the way it looked, it was a very cartoony cell shaded kind of kiddish take on, um the legend of zelda it came hot off the heels of majora's mask and i think you know a lot of people looked at the game and and either just said i don't want it because i don't want the gamecube or this isn't the zelda that i wanted and of course we ended up getting twilight princess which is what it is but i remember playing it at the time uh when i was you know in my teens and 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 playing it and thinking like this feels like a really good zelda game there's good puzzles. There's good dungeons. 
the first dungeon, the Forbidden Fortress, sucks because they use stealth. But in two thousand and two or whenever it came out, like stealth was all the hotness. So I understand. But once you kind of get past that, like this is an excellent Zelda game, and it's among the best. But again, at the time. Like I'm just coming off like Gears of War or something like that. And I don't want to play this kid's game. Like it's right. It just right, right. it couldn't resonate with me. So I, I never finished it. So I'm really glad that I'm going back and playing the original on original hardware now because it is it's just such a good Zelda game. Um, you know, with Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, we don't really have traditional dungeons, which are my favorite part of the Zelda series. So I love having, um, you know, the traditional puzzle focused dungeons that are large and they they kind of look at one kind of um you know new mechanic or tool that you get in your tool belt and you kind of have to figure out ways to to solve puzzles using that so yeah i'm really enjoying wind waker um i'm gonna finish it this time um because i hear it has one of the best final ganon fights um of any zelda games and some of the stuff i've seen um yeah so i'm enjoying that but um yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll sneak in some Helldivers, but uh, otherwise, this time next week, fellas, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will be talking about Skull and Bones. So make sure you tune in for that because it's going to be the highlight of the Handsome Phantom Podcast year for sure. Not really. <laughs> game of the year, calling it now. I'm really trying to help my hype myself up for this game, but uh, I, there is a part of me that's excited to play it. It's it's a new. It's a new Ubisoft game. I like Ubisoft games. I like the formula. All all things suggest that it, it's it's actually a decent game. So um, yeah, we'll see. Quadruple we'll A see. too. Quadruple A. Yeah. That's all we got for this evening. Thank you everybody for joining us live on YouTube. Thank you everybody for listening on um, on our audio feeds or watching after the fact. Uh, we love having you here. As I said off the top, you can support us on uh, patreon.com slash handsome phantom, or you can join us free of charge over at uh, Discord. Um, we love having people chat about video games, telling us what you're going to be playing over the weekend, stuff like that. So yeah, feel free to join us. Other than that, we'll stick around here for a little bit, but thank you and have a good evening. Bye. The HP Podcast is made possible by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. The following patrons are at the $5 level or above. Toby Ryland, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Poot, Boots, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, Htrons, Nuke Dukem, Derek O., Rainick, Christian Snow, Gravelicious, Benji Bop, and Johnny Waffles.